Good morning. My name is Kayla Hurst, and I'm one of the pastors here at Northgate, where we envision transforming our homes, communities, and world by pursuing God, building community, and unleashing compassion. I am so glad that you're here with us today. Well, today we're finishing our series called Disrupting Chaos. We've been identifying the chaos that is a part of our experience right now and the ways that we could too easily allow it to become normalized in our lives. We've been using a tool through this entire series, the Disrupting Chaos Prayer. Many of you have printed it out and stuck it to your bathroom mirror. Some of you have it as the background on your phone or your computer. And many of you have been following along with the one-minute videos we've put out on our social media every day. I don't know about you, but this daily rhythm of prayer has helped me disrupt the chaos we're all experiencing. And God has used it to create a new normal of peace and joy and contentment. This whole series has been centered on a small portion of one of Jesus' most famous teachings, the Sermon on the Mount. We find it in Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 34. We've covered the whole thing up to the last verse, so here's our verse. Matthew chapter 6, verse 34. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Jesus is teaching us an important lesson here. He's teaching us the skill of living present giving attention to the situation at hand, celebrating the goodness of God here and now. I think we all have a really hard time, well, at least as a culture, being fully present. Some of the advances in technology, like our ability to carry around a phenomenal camera in our pocket 24 hours a day, has made it even harder. Now, don't get me wrong. I, I love being able to capture moments so I can have that record forever. My first two kiddos were born right before the easy accessibility of the camera phone, but Chloe, my third, was born just on the other side of all that. And you can tell due to the great disparity in number of photos and videos. But let's consider the other side of that for a moment. There was a study done in 2016 at an art museum with college students. They're led on a tour of the museum and were told to take a special note of certain pieces, either by photographing them or just stopping to look at them. The next day, they were asked questions about what they observed. For the pieces that they photographed, the students remembered them less accurately and in less detail than the ones that they had simply observed. The researcher who conducted the study said this, People so often whip out their cameras almost mindlessly to capture a moment to the point that they're missing out on what is happening right in front of them. She called it the photo-taking impairment effect. It's when we let technology be fully present so we don't have to. Hear me, I'm not beating up on social media or suggesting that we take less pictures, but I am asking us to consider how we're giving pieces of our attention away fracturing our focus so that even when we're physically present, we aren't fully there. I believe our difficulty living fully present contributes to the chaos we experience, and I think it's starting to feel normal. See, Jesus knew we could disrupt the chaos in our lives if we could stop living with a focus and concern for our tomorrows and learn to trust God for our today. That lesson in this final verse in our passage really ties everything we've learned so far up in a bow. Do you see the very first word in this verse? Therefore. 
I had a Bible teacher once tell me, when you see therefore in a passage, you should always look to see what it is there for. You look back at what was said immediately before, because that's where you'll find the foundation for what is about to be said. By linking the former verses with therefore, Jesus is making sure we don't see this command to live in the present as some idealistic statement. He's not simply saying, don't worry about tomorrow. Don't just pretend like you don't have concern for yourself or that you don't have to concern yourself with the future, that things will just somehow magically work themselves out. No, he's not saying that. He's saying, as a result of what I just said, If you take seriously all of the things that have been a part of this series and and leading up to this week, if you're placing responsibility in its appropriate place, if you're living in the abundance of a good God, if you're seeking first the kingdom and setting your priorities as such, if you actually take those things seriously, the result is that you don't have to live a life that's focused anywhere other than where you currently are, right here, right now, today. See, a part of what's causing chaos is this belief that where I am isn't good enough. Today isn't enough. Where my life is at right now isn't enough. You can see it in small ways, like when you can't be by yourself for five minutes without having to get on your phone to see what other people are doing somewhere else. But that can also seep into some bigger stuff. When we start believing that my house isn't enough, my job isn't enough, My education isn't enough. My marital status isn't enough. My kids aren't enough. My spouse isn't enough. I am not enough. Living in that kind of headspace is dangerous and it's chaotic. And it's caused by our inability to live present, to be in the right now and embrace today, whatever today looks like for you. We can mess it up in two ways, right? We can get stuck in the past or we can try and control the future. When we get stuck in the past, it creates a yearning regret, and it's totally unfair to our brains. You you see, the reality is, the further we get away from an event, the more we romanticize it. We tend to remember it as better than it really was. We talk about getting back to the way things were. We want to reclaim a feeling we experienced by recreating a circumstance that has long gone by. But living with a constant yearning for the good old days will only get you stuck in a place and time that no longer exists. And then you'll have a hard time moving forward as a result. If you're always thinking about yesterday, you won't have space to be present for today. Now hear me, being stuck in the past is very different from remembering God's faithfulness. And here's how you can tell the difference. We remember his faithfulness in order to move forward, not to long for and try and to reclaim a time that was. If God had, if God needed you to be in the past, he'd have left you there. (laughs) Don't worry. Chin up, eyes ahead, but not too far ahead. See, if getting stuck in the past creates a yearning regret, then trying to control the future produces anxiety. Trying to control the future is different than hope, and it's different than responsible planning. It's when we try to manipulate what's happening today in order to try and control what will happen tomorrow. It's what the Israelites did with the manna and the wilderness in the Old Testament. God provided bread for them so they could eat. He literally made it appear out of thin air every morning. He told them to only take enough for the day. 
But the Israelites were so worried about the future, they collected way more of that miracle bread than they needed, hoarding it one day in order to save it for the next. And God disciplined them for it. The bread spoiled overnight. Let's be honest, if toilet paper could spoil, a bunch of y'all would be in serious trouble right now. And here's the problem. It's incredibly overwhelming and super ineffective to spend our time manipulating today in order to control tomorrow. When you spend all your time thinking things like, what if I make the wrong choice right now? How will that affect the job I get, the person I marry, my retirement, my 10-year plan, whatever your poison is? You see, that kind of thinking and the manipulation that often follows puts undue weight on the decisions we make today all because of the potential ramifications for tomorrow. The question isn't, is it wrong to plan? It's not about defining a specific action as good or bad at all. It's about your motivation. Are you trying to control the future? If so, you'll never be content today because you won't fully be engaged with what your today even is. Jesus says, don't live there. Don't worry about tomorrow. But the reason you don't have to worry about tomorrow isn't because you're lazy or passive or because you don't care about anything and don't have any motivation in life. No, he says, therefore, don't worry about tomorrow. The reason you don't have to worry about tomorrow and live in the chaos of anxiety around the future or in the yearning regret of the past is because of everything else that he said leading into this. Your father is good and he wants good for you. He cares for you and will provide. He's the God of abundance who is not stingy. He's the one who is ultimately responsible for the outcomes. Therefore... Don't worry about tomorrow. Without the therefore, this is just aimless self-help advice. Live in the moment. Experience the power of now. It's fine advice. It just doesn't have any substance to it. You see, to actually live in a way where we don't worry about tomorrow means that there's something or someone trustworthy who has tomorrow already wrapped up for us. For me to release my grip off tomorrow responsibly I need to know that it's in the hands of someone who can hold it better than me. If not, I'll just end up taking it back tomorrow. I remember watching my kids on the edge of the pool. We were trying to get them to jump off the edge into my husband's arms. They they couldn't swim yet, but he was so close to the edge, ready to catch them the minute their little toes hit the water. But they were so scared. They'd waddle up to the edge of the water, crouch down like a little frog, look at the water, look at their dad, and then stand back up. It was excruciating to watch, although I imagine it was even harder for them. Why wouldn't they jump? My husband had never let them drown. He always caught them. He never moved, and yet they just couldn't do it until they did. Once they jumped, they knew their daddy was good for catching them. And then they wanted to do it all the time. Sometimes I feel like I did watching my kids refuse to jump when I think of the times I spend worrying. I know that God is good. I've seen his goodness before, and yet I hesitate. Honestly, 
The weight I give to worry reveals my belief about God's character. Is God ultimately good in his orientation toward me? Does he love me? Is he capable and powerful enough to provide for whatever will come? The Bible says yes, but what does your worry say? Jesus is saying he is good. He is loving. He is powerful. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. See, earlier in this same sermon, Jesus was teaching the people how to pray. We call it the Lord's Prayer. Some of you may have learned it as a little kid or have seen it on a plaque in your grandma's house. It's the one that starts with our Father who art in heaven. And tucked right in the middle of that four-sentence prayer is this little gem, Matthew 6, 11, Give us today our daily bread. As Jesus teaches us to pray, he's teaching us to rely on God for his provision every single day. We're supposed to say, give me just enough for today so that tomorrow I'll come and ask you to give me enough for that day as well. You see, the people he was preaching to would have known the story of the Israelites and the manna miracle bread from the Old Testament. Jesus was purposefully reminding them that they were praying to the same God who provided then and who he provides now right on time, every time. When we live focused on yesterday, we miss out on today because we're preoccupied with yearning regret. When we live focused on tomorrow, we can never fully engage in today because we're consumed by anxiety. But when we choose to live present in the moment, we're telling our own life that we trust God is good and that he wants good for us. God is loving and he will care for us. God is powerful and he's the only one who is ultimately responsible for the outcome. Therefore, we can live more grounded in the right now. We can live a therefore life, free of worry and engage life more fully. So what do you need to release to make that real in your life? What are you holding on to from yesterday? What What's causing regret or has you stuck yearning for the good old days? What are you clinging to for tomorrow that's that's creating anxiety? What are you trying to manipulate today so you can control the future? Picture those things in your hands right now. Clench your fist tight and remind yourself how it feels to hold on to this stuff. Feel that tension. Now, what would it feel like to let go? To release the pressure of yesterday and tomorrow? To live a therefore life today, knowing that God is good and loving and powerful? Let's release this stuff. And let's do it by praying this prayer together one more time. As you pray these words, the same ones we've been praying for the last 20 days, Open up your hands and release your grip so the one who is good and loving and powerful can take over. Let's pray this together. God, help me to trust that you are a good God who cares for me and will provide. Show me where my worry and preoccupation are taking away from my engagement with life. I surrender each of those areas into your trust and care. Today, I'm choosing to believe that I am sustained not by my efforts or by what's in my control, but instead by your abundance. You are a good God who gives abundantly. Because of that, I will seek first a life under your care and trust you for the outcomes. In this moment, 
I lay down the concerns I have about tomorrow and the days and weeks after that. I will trust you for today, for this moment, so that I can wake up tomorrow and trust you for that day as well. Amen.